Hey Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. If you're new here, welcome to the show. My name is Stacy. I am the co-founder and host of the Business Casual with my younger sister, Mariana. And you have tuned in to a great episode. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Be sure to be following us on Instagram and TikTok and LinkedIn to stay up to date when we post. And thank you so much for being here. I actually finish my undergraduate degree tomorrow. I have my last exam, which means the business casual is going to have my full attention for the next four months before I start full-time work, which I am thrilled about because I have had no time in the last month, month and a half to film or prep content or just in general, it's been such a crazy few weeks and last few months. So I'm excited to have some time on my hands to be able to Gave the business casual all of our love and attention like we have in the past. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Also, if you have any guests that you're, you want to hear on the show or any content you want to see from us, be sure to let us know. We're always open to hearing your suggestions and you can always DM us at business.casual.podcast or send me a message. But today's episode is a long time coming. I first met Molly... Last summer, she was working for a brand agency at the time called Brand Opus, and she came into the Molson offices to do a live workshop, and I think there was also a learning aspect. It was kind of like a lunch and learn. She was so incredible, and her former company, Brand Opus, was very cool. They do some really interesting work in branding. They have offices in London, Chicago, New York, Hong Kong, and Melbourne, And just to give you a bit of a background, they are a global branding agency specializing in identity, strategy, and design. They exist to change the way people feel about brands by appealing to the intuitive and intrinsic response that drive behavior. I think that the way they all think at that agency is very, very different than the way that I was kind of taught to think in school. And they've done some really crazy campaigns for mainly in the CPG space, but also for some luxury brands as well. So Molly was first working with them and she was their strategy strategy director and partner. And recently in the last five months has moved to Live Nation Entertainment, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. It is the company that does a lot of concerts and works with venues to promote different festivals and events in the entertainment and media space. And so she's currently the strategy director for Live Lab, which I'm not too familiar with, but I know we're going to dig into into this episode. And so Live Lab is this internal brand strategy and innovation studio within Live Nation. And so they're working with executive teams, with venues, real estate development, concerts, and more, and really looking at the future of what the entertainment space is going to look like. Originally, Molly is from, Molly has always been in more of a strategy role. So I look forward to digging more into that. She also originally worked in London before coming over to the States and is now based in New York. So without further ado, I'm excited to welcome Molly to the show to hear more about this very cool job she currently holds with Live Nation Entertainments. Molly, welcome to the show. You, we were just chatting earlier. You're currently in LA. You've been living in your hotel room for how many weeks now? Nearly two weeks. I flew here, yeah, just over 10 days ago uh, and still got a little bit more time left. So I'm trying to soak up this blue sky that I can see outside uh, and enjoy my weekend um, and make it feel a little bit more like real life, not just a work trip. Yeah. And are you there for 
Live Nation doesn't do Coachella. Is it for Coachella or no? No. Oh my God, that's the enemy. <laughs> those are our, those are our, uh, Coachella's run by our biggest competitor. So, I mean, not the enemy, but uh, it's kind of the big festival that we look to in terms of, you know, what's been done on the other side. But LA is a, a weird kind of ghost town this weekend and last weekend because everyone is in Coachella. Better though, because then you can like enjoy all the sights and exactly. no crowds. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, been a lot more chill here. It's been a nice time. I mean, the, the week is kind of particularly crazy because people come back and lots of the music industry go to both weekends and then right. everyone's in L.A. the, the week uh, in between. So last week was pretty nuts. Um, but yeah, much more relaxed energy now that everyone's gone again. And you just took this role on five months ago. So you're relatively still new. How has it been settling in? Like what has been the transition because you weren't originally in entertainment and music correct no i mean this whole thing is net new so i'm new to the music industry i'm new to working in-house i've always been in agencies until now Mm -hmm. um and also the team within the organization is new so okay a lot of new things that's exciting I know. And actually, I was, you know, thinking about how I describe it. And it's weird because I'm sort of feeling all of the feelings that you have when you're first new to work full stop, you that's, know? That's literally me. <laughs> I'm literally thinking about you leaving university and starting out. And I'm like, I'm going through, I haven't felt all these feelings since I first started work, you know, a decade ago. Uh, where you're like, am I meant to be doing this? Who do I speak to about this kind of stuff? You know, I I felt, to be honest, kind of a bit bored at my last role because I've been in agencies my whole life and doing very much the same thing. And, and, you know, that that creates a sense of stability. Right. You know what's coming and you know how to, you know, lead yourself and your team and, you know, exactly what the next day is going to bring. And, you know, that has its own sense of security and stability. But, Right now I'm going back <laughs> to the start again and trying to figure everything out. So I'm like, okay, what does it mean to be client side, not agency side? What does it mean to not be working so much in the CPG space, to be working in entertainment, you know? And what can we do as like a new team that's only been started and around for kind of eight months? What can we do within this organization as a whole kind of net new uh, group of people to kind of help ourselves. So I'm, I'm really going through all that stuff that you're going through, but 10 years on. And I think it's kind of refreshing to still have those moments where you're checking yourself and telling yourself the same things again, which is like, I can do this. <laughs> you got this, Molly. Like, <laughs> you know, just another step ahead. Like keep, you know, your head down and keep working. But I, I remember all those feelings of like, you know, am I right for this? Checking your kind of sense of security in, in your role and who you are. Is, is all coming back to me now. And I'm just trying to remember those devices I used to make myself feel like it was all going to be okay. <laughs> and that I'm doing the right thing, which I'm sure you're probably thinking about now. Yeah, but it's also kind of refreshing to hear that yeah. you do get to feel those feelings again. Because one thing that I've talked about on the podcast and that I have kind of been dealing with internally is that I don't want to be doing the same thing for the rest of my life now. It's always been fun that there's been like a new semester and you get to new new profs and new classes and there's always like a new event on campus or you meet new friends. And I feel like thinking about starting work now in September, I'm like, is that it? Like, do I just do the same thing for like 40 years? And I know it's not, but in your mind, it's hard because there is no next step to know what that next new thing is going to be. So it 
it's refreshing to know that there is always going to be new things because in your mind you're kind of like work in general just seems like it's just never ending you just do that for there's no summer break there's no there's no girls trip to look forward to you I can remember those exact feelings and you're so right it feels like groundhog day you're like oh cool I've graduated now I've got a job I'm like do I just do this until I retire like is this the end and actually what you realize if you sort of slightly change it up again is that there are going to be whole new like obstacles and trajectories that your life are going to take and it's just you know having confidence to feel like I'm enjoying this actually and this is more than just like a good job that I'm going to keep on doing it's like bringing this whole new dynamic and aspect to my life that brings me more joy and you know excitement so I think focusing on what else your job does for you other than just like paying the bills <laughs> is obviously a really important part as well but yeah I mean I had that feeling you know that you're just describing now at the end of my last role where I was sort of starting to feel like is this it mm-hmm. you know once you've been in an industry for a long time you can see where you're gonna go I'm gonna be this new role in this organization then I'll probably jump to this competitor agency and I'll work my way up there <laughs> But suddenly I had this feeling maybe a year ago, I was like, I don't think I want to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, I- was it at that point when you had that feeling, like, what did you do? Like, that is another thing that a lot of conversations I've been having with friends. It's like, do you automatically, like, did you start looking for new roles or was it kind of like this role approached you? Like, what was that whole process like? Because I know also like relationship building is really important. And so I think it's a little difficult to navigate sometimes of, necessarily you don't want to show that you maybe are recruiting or maybe you do I don't know how that I've never had to experience that yet so I'd love to hear like from your perspective because you'd been at that agency for quite a few years yeah I've been at that for a couple of years and I've been at a competitor agency before that for five and a half nearly six years so like I'd been in that world for a while a few things one you can always put your LinkedIn open to new opportunities which no one your in your organization can see but it's a nice kind of like for me, that's symbolic of I'm putting my energy out to the world that I want something else. And I think that's a literal way of doing it. But I think you can also change your mindset to, hey, you know, I'm open to new things. I'm open to new roles. And my top tip then is start speaking to people, you know, speak to everyone. And I did the same thing when I was leaving university as I did when I suddenly was like, I want to do something different. I spoke to my friends I spoke to their friends friends every social engagement I was at I was like what does your boyfriend do what does your mum do (laughs) what does your best friend do you know because I wanted to understand what else was out there I wanted to understand what I'd be good at Mm -hmm. and you know through those conversations you're starting to feel out okay for me it was like maybe I could go in-house you know I was starting to think I'm bored of just this constant like onslaught of you know clients coming to us we work on for a month two months and then it's on to the next, on to the next. Like I want to build real relationships and I want to build something that feels more meaningful than maybe just the sort of CPG brands I was doing. I wanted to work on something I felt passionate about. So I was putting this out into the world more symbolically. And I I, I met my boss now who hired me at a dinner two years before this happened. And she's sort of following me on LinkedIn and I was you know, I love LinkedIn. I'm pretty <laughs> active on LinkedIn. And at the time I was writing a lot in industry publications and posting a lot. And she was following me, you know, I didn't realize at the time and was kind of impressed by the content that I was creating. And June last year, she reached out, got my contact information uh, and was like, hey, I've got a really cool job. Do you want it? <laughs> 
And it was crazy because to my point about putting energy out into the world, I'd been saying, you know, it hadn't been that I had been introduced to her because of that. This is something that had happened two years before. But I was really like going out into the universe and being like, I want something else. I want something different. And this was perfect. It was an in-house role, but it was still a kind of inner agency team. Like the team I'm a part of is called Live Lab. We're a strategy and innovation studio. We work uh, very closely with the C-suite of Live Nation to come up with uh solutions to challenges and problems that we're solving as a business, but also come up with net new ideas for kind of programs and venues and uh, organizations within the company. So it was perfect because it was kind of like an in-house agency of strategists. And so it felt familiar to what I'd done before, but it also is completely different. And it's in with something that I was passionate about that most people are passionate about, which is live music. You know, so were you, are you, have you always been a fan? Like, were you in the, I mean, I would consider myself like a huge fangirl. I don't know which episode it was, but I recently talked about this on a recent episode. Um, and I'm, I, it's not Live Nation, but I'm going to the Taylor Swift Eras Tour in a few very short weeks. And I'm very, very excited. And so I've always considered myself a pretty big fangirl. And so like doing a bit more research into your role, it's very cool to be kind of in that space, especially from the other perspective, because it's still very like consumers are like, that's who you have to always be thinking about because that who that's who really like is the base of that whole industry. It's the fans. Exactly. Fans. And also the artists. I think Mm. what I love about live nation is we very much create everything that we do to service the artists. You know, we really uh, are trying to make as many like programs and organizations and venues that are dedicated to the most you know the ultimate and and most like high class experience for them uh so fans as well but really trying to focus on just getting them out back on the road you know touring in the most insane incredible spaces so i i I love that they focus on on that element as well because the fans are going to come where the artists go and i think that like uh what we're trying to do as a business is make uh, you know, the best uh, spaces and places for our artists to exist and perform in. But yeah, I mean, I, I was, I am a fangirl as well. <laughs> I'm very jealous that you got tickets to Taylor Swift. Uh, uh, I, I would love to go and see her as well. Um, but yeah, I was into live music. I've always played instruments as a child. It's something I felt like maybe was not as much a part of my life as I wanted it to be. Um, so this was like a nice, again, bringing together of two different aspects, like things that I like doing in my free time and stuff that I was passionate about in my job and in my life um, in terms of like professional pursuits, like strategy and innovation and uh, design work. So it was a nice merger of those two things. And, and, you know, I didn't really realize, I didn't even think about that option until it came to me. And that's the same thing I have when I left university, which is like, I didn't even think I didn't even know brand strategy existed I mean you get told at university of like okay you could be (laughs) a doctor a lawyer all those vocational professions I remember having a career uh I I studied English literature at Dublin and I remember doing the career talk and she was like you can be a an English teacher or a librarian and I remember being like hmm (laughs) no (laughs) that's not what I want to do and that's you know why I was speaking to everyone else. I was like, there must be something else out there. 
And then the same thing happened when I was sort of wanting to leave agency world. I was like, there must be something else out there. But, you know, people might say to you, go and Google search stuff, go and see what other jobs exist on LinkedIn. But it's like, you don't know what those jobs are actually going to be like, or whether you'll be good at it unless you speak to people you trust and people you look up to and say, what are you doing? You know, as I was saying before, like, what are your friends? What are your colleagues? What are they good at? And, and, and just painting this picture of yourself in the world and, and how you can maybe fit into some of those jobs, I think has been a really useful tool for me just to uncover what else exists outside of what you do every day. I think another thing, and I think it goes back to what you were saying about having your mindset be open, because it sounds like a lot of the conversations you're having weren't necessarily even in a professional setting. They don't always have to be very structured. And a lot of the times the very unexpected and sometimes even more natural occurring conversations or relationships are the ones that are going to pay dividends later on down the road. And that sounds like, because you mentioned that you met your current boss at a dinner, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think we as a generation have been told that we need to focus on like work-life balance, work-life balance, but that mediation for me is its own type of hell. I I way prefer the phrase like work-life integration. Mm. Um, actually always seeing different elements of your personal life that could potentially come into your uh, professional life and vice versa. And that's always really helped me. And, you know, especially now working in the music industry, which is something that is innately social and is innately something that I would do in my spare time. It's nice to think about those things integrating. And, you know, apart from anything else, in an innovation role, you're always coming up with new ideas for things. And, I'm doing design for different venues. I'm always looking wherever I go and whatever I do, my mindset is always like, what can I learn from this situation that I could bring back into my job? What can I learn or be inspired by in this space that I'm in for a social reason (laughs) that I can bring back into my job? So as you said, having mindset open is a great way of, you know, really bringing richness to both aspects of your like personal and, and professional life. On the topic of work-life integration, because I know that's, I feel like work-life balance was the buzz term and now I'm hearing yeah. work-life integration a lot. How yeah. are you kind of working through that right now? Obviously you're traveling a lot for work. Yeah. How do you navigate that? I saw a really interesting TikTok <laughs> um, a few weeks ago and this girl, she was in her, I don't know her exact age, she, like she was in her mid to early 20s and she was saying how automatically when people think of a work trip because she doesn't have a husband or a kid yet everyone's like oh I don't know what her name is we'll call her Sally They're like oh Sally can go on the work trip because she doesn't have kids yeah. she's like okay yeah I totally get that but I do have family and I do have friends and I do have a dog that I don't really want to be gone for you know two weeks every other month let's say and obviously like there's a whole balance here like I, I think you know work trips can be great for progression you're like career progression signs are like necessary you have to go depending on your job but I'm just curious to hear what your take is on that because she was saying that it's really hard to set boundaries um because she doesn't have like family quote-unquote responsibilities so from your perspective it might be different in the music industry I don't know what industry she was working in but it really stuck with me because I haven't really thought about that and I am someone who says yes to literally everything in my personal and professional life and I have no ability to set boundaries so it's something that's been very top of mind especially now that I'm kind of entering the workforce and kind of thinking from my perspective as like an entrepreneur and wanting to have time to like work on my projects and yeah stuff. oh my god I don't even know where to start with this one <laughs> I feel like you and I despite being in different stages in our career are going through the same things because again when you start something new I think especially as a woman 
mm-hmm. your tendency is to be like appeasing and pleasant and the yes girl, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's something that's got me very far in my life, you know, is being up for stuff and throwing myself into things. And I love that element of myself, but I'm also learning now that, you know, saying no is as powerful as saying yes. And that I can have confidence in setting some boundaries around everything that I do and that that, that's actually a really strong thing, but it's definitely a work in progress and I'm definitely still figuring it out now. I, with, with the travel, it's interesting because I mean, I think if you speak to my boyfriend, he, <laughs> he might be, he might say something slightly different, but um, I try and always focus on, you know, the positives, which is that I'm going to these incredible places. Yeah. Um, I'm learning so much. I'm being exposed to things that I just wouldn't get by staying in my apartment in New York. But of course, it's exhausting and tiring. And, you know, it sounds like you're the same and that you're always wanting to get the most out of every situation. And so for me, that's been saying yes and going everywhere. But uh, I think it's just important to sort of try and set rituals and routines when you're traveling, whether that's, you know, insisting on, you know, despite time zones, you're going to start at a certain time. <laughs> you know, LA is difficult because if people are in New York, are you going to start at six when they do? Yeah. Um you know, trying to insist that you have some semblance of like routine and rituals that that uh, keep you grounded. And actually, you know, my, my boyfriend always says to me, you know, swap anxiety for excitement. And I, I try and do that a lot, which is like, okay, if I'm feeling stressed out by something, I try and remember that that's probably because I'm excited deep down and focus on that feeling. But, you know, you also can't get too wedded down to a routine when you're traveling. So it's like this balance between structure and flexibility, because apart from anything else, you're in these cities to soak up the culture. You know, if I'm going to Nashville or, you know, Philly to go and understand about the fans that exist there and create something for our company there. Part of my job is to go out and experience the city. So I can't be too rigid with myself and be like, okay you know, stick to your routine, early night, stay in or whatever. It's like a lot of the importance of travel is about getting out and and going to see things. But yeah, I guess I'm still learning that that kind of personal boundary thing. And it hasn't got to a stage where I'm, you know, worried or feeling like I'm missing out on uh, elements of my personal or professional life because of it. But I think it's just something you have to constantly monitor, which is like, what are the boundaries that are really important to you? What are the things that you'll kind of flex around in terms of like your travel and your schedule? Yeah. And what are the things that you're positively getting out of something that are really great? So just like constantly reminding yourself of that and remembering that no is as powerful as yes, you know? And yeah, I, 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 I'm just still getting to grips with that myself. So work in progress massively. (laughs) No, for sure. And I I think that for a lot of people, it's still a work in progress because I think for anyone, like any decision you have to make, if you're saying no, you're obviously giving up something. Yes, you're also giving up something. So it's kind of balancing those two options and figuring out what is best for you. And I think it, I mean, from my perspective, it's also just very exciting to get to travel for work. Um, Exactly. Anything that is outside of your normal routine and obviously that is being paid for by a company to send you there is so exciting and sounds like a really cool opportunity. So if my work is listening and wants to send me on a trip, I'll gladly take a trip right now. Well, I think also it's it's something that the whole world is coming to terms with because 
work has become so much more flexible. So whether or not you're traveling, it's like, when are you off site? When are you on site? What are your hours versus, you know, are, are you willing, are you willing to have more flexibility in your day to day schedule and your, you know, are you someone who prefers to work at home? Is your company trying to insist you go into the office more? Are they trying to say that there's going to be, you know, I have loads of friends who are working at companies who are really cutting back on travel and saying everyone has to be in the office a very specific amount of days at a certain time. I love that with my company, we try and come together as much as we can, but there's a lot of flexibility around, you know, where we work and how we come to work. And I love my boss's philosophy, which is like, she wants excellence and creativity and for us to be our most like, poised and brilliant selves but she's like you know how you do that is up to you and I I'm someone who really responds well to that kind of environment so you know the travel comes always as something that we can do if we want you know it's it's never you have to go and do that it's not a necessity of my organization but it's an opportunity that's been given to us if we want it Um, so yeah it's like it's for me, it's a really great situation because I can pick and choose and it feels like something that isn't being pushed on me. And she's very flexible. My boss is very flexible with with other aspects of our of our work, uh, work life balance or integration. So I, I really I, I love that about our, our jobs. We're going to take a quick break to talk about this week's sponsor. And this is a product I use every single day. I actually recommend it to Molly since she's doing so much traveling the last few months, and that is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I didn't have a lot of time, and I really wanted better gut health. And I also really wanted to know what the hype was about because I was hearing about Athletic Greens on so many podcasts that I listened to. I've now been taking it for probably eight months, and I love it. It's a staple in my morning routine. It doesn't taste super healthy. It's more of a mild tropical taste. I feel like that's a question I get a lot. And I honestly can down it really easily and with no issues now. And so you're probably wondering what this is. It's just one delicious scoop of AG1. And with that, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. It's a special blend that supports your gut health, your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, literally all of the things. It's so easy. Like I said, it's a staple of my morning routine. Just one scoop and a glass of water. I like mine really, really cold. So I add a ton of ice and I shake it up so it gets cold super fast. And there's also travel packs, which are great because I am traveling a lot in the next few months. And you can take it with you anywhere you go and still stay kind of in a habit. It's also lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And it has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It was created when the founder experienced tons of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover, which was costing him over $100 a day. So it was really created to be easy and affordable. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash business casual. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash business casual. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And so in terms of your current 
structure, I guess, is the main offices in New York and that's where you report to? Or do you... Live Nation has offices, I feel like, everywhere. I mean, we've got three that offices in LA. <laughs> three in LA. Yeah. That's a message, but okay. We yeah. Love that. yeah. So my team is kind of, a, we're a remote team. Okay. So from Miami, Austin, uh, LA, and New York. So we're all getting used to like, understanding what that means for us as a team more of us are in new york my boss is spending a lot of time in la at the moment so you know it makes sense for us to come and be in la because some of the more senior members of the organization are based here i said the headquarter is in la so you know it's it's great to be in the space which is kind of home to the organization and just be around there the cafeteria is like a, a thriving pumping place to be <laughs> um so i uh, yeah, we're coming here and trying to be more present in the home of the the, the organization. But there's a big office in New York as well. And uh, myself and the other two members there try and go in whenever we can and just work together. Um, but, you know, that I'm sure everyone's saying this on your podcast and it's nothing new, but negotiating this new kind of remote versus in-person challenge is difficult because we want to be together, but some of our team's some of our team are in, in in different cities and so you know we also don't want to make them feel isolated i don't want to make them feel like we're all together and part of this organization and part of this team and build camaraderie and t- team spirit in a remote way where they don't feel excluded because they're not yeah. you know lucky enough to have another member of the team in their city with them so that's something we're trying to work out as well and we're, we're booking in a few fun like off-sites this year to work on that and traveling where possible to be together because it is just great, you know, being able to socialize and hang out and go and see live music at our venues together just really brings us together. And I feel adds like another layer of um, meaning to the job and the role. And I think in the US, coming from a Canadian, it's a whole different market just because every single state is so different. And every state has its own little culture and its own little like like micro cultures and micro groups and different things that they do. And so kind of moving into like what strategy means, because it, I find your role so interesting because strategy is such a big term. And especially when we're looking at an industry as broad as music, because there are so many different types of music and different venues and like festivals versus concerts, how is kind of strategy defined in your role? And when you, you said like, you know, challenges and, looking to the future how do you kind of stay ahead of the trends and how do you survey the market i guess to kind of keep a pulse on what's happening in such a large country with so many different artists and venues and all of that stuff that was like my key learning coming from the uk which is tiny (laughs) just suddenly coming to america and the first mistake i made was treating america like one country when it really is (laughs) 50 something (laughs) so every state is different um strategy I mean two parts to your question strategy as you said is so different and there are loads of different realms of strategy and I feel the ones that I've touched most closely are brand and creative strategy and design strategy and I think like more generally I would define strategy as the direction. It's like, where are we going and how are we getting there? And what's the idea that's going to elevate everything um, and everyone uh, to get there? 
So, you know, particularly with design and creative and brand strategy, it's really about crystallizing so much richness and meaning into the most simple and easy to understand concept. That's what we do is we distill richness and layers into something more simple. And, you know, with, with what we're doing in this new organization and in, in, in Live Nation and Live Nat Lab is we are, you know, working across a range of different projects, whether that be across our venues, um, to really understand, okay, what is the creative idea that can exist in them that's going to bring them to life from a brand perspective? So utilizing some of the skills and ways we thought about more consumer focused, like CPG brands Mm -hmm. to actually bring to life these creative ideas that will sit at the heart of our venues um, and sit at the heart of some of the programs and organizations that we're, we're, we're working with at Live Nation to make them feel brand focused, because I think that's really what we've all been brought here from our different walks of life to do is like understand this like brand strategy that can sit even in the hospitality and entertainment space, which, you know, has very different rules. Um, And we brought this, you know, into our venue understanding at Live Nation. So that's like one part of what we do. I just just a quick question. When you talk about the brand living it, you're talking about the Live Nation brand, like that is the brand or is it the brand of like the venue itself? Yeah, we work across a, like we have, many venues and we're obviously always looking to enhance their brand and I think we we don't work so much on uh the Live Nation brand per se and as I was saying earlier I think there's a real focus at Live Nation on you know supporting artists okay yeah you know creating brands and venues that exist that really enhance and heighten the artist experience um is something that we focus on a lot um, but then, you know, to, to your other point, like, how do we stay on top of trends? Like, we have members of our team who, you know, their, their form of strategy that they specialize in is cultural strategy. Okay. So they are the coolest, <laughs> the most interesting, in my opinion, members of our team who just really are always deep diving into what's going on, like, what the buzz is, like, what our consumers are really fascinated by, you know, subculture as, as a kind of informer of what become mainstream culture. You know, they are futurists, they're trend forecasters, and they really understand the next step in, uh, you know, where culture is going to go. And they are researchers and they're very informative for us in terms of like, okay, how can we crystallize that down into like a strategic idea for an organization or a venue or an artist all good strategists have those kind of futurists who exist who will tell you what's coming up what's coming next and it's often more you know subcultures i was saying will inform where mainstream brands go and i think we've got really good at focusing on what they can tell us and 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 trying to understand what will come next rather than what is popular right now and then from there, how does that play into like the marketing team? For, like what, what, how is like the cross-functional relationship or I guess from like a marketing perspective, I'm kind of like, okay, then where does like the marketing people come in? Or like, is there like a sales team that also comes in here or is at Live Nation in this industry, is it mainly brand strategy that kind of steers where everything else goes? No, I think the marketing team come in 
slightly later. I mean, if I think about how it worked at agency world as well, it's kind of similar, which is the marketing team approach the strategists in an agency to help them come up with an idea and a creative campaign or a new redesign, a, a, a a brand that they can market and take to their consumer and say, like, this is the idea, you know, this is where we're going. And it's the same at Live Nation, you know, we are working very closely with the marketing team to come up with something that they can take to artists, fans, the wider world and say, this is something that we think you will really love. And this is what it stands for. You know, we're, we're always working to crystallize, yeah. still down, like, what is the message? What are we taking? What is this really about? And that really taps into consumer human psychology on a deeper level. Like, what is this compelling concept that we can all agree on as a huge organization? And what are we therefore able to say to the consumer that they're going to like, whether that be a fan or an artist? Thinking back to your university days and for people listening who want to go into maybe a strategy role, what are some of the key skills um, or things early in their career, maybe even roles, like what is an, is there entry-level strategy or is it something that you need to be in other areas first before you can kind of have the knowledge to mm-hmm. be at a strategy level? What does that look like? So again, I go back to this idea, which is like, I went to, I studied English. I think that's really good. I don't know the equivalent in America. Do you guys major yeah. in things? Yeah, there, there is, but there is like bachelors of arts just in. Bachelor of arts. Yeah. 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 So you know, what historically you might have been told by your parents is like a nothing degree, I think is a really fruitful foundation for strategy. Because what you, strategy is, you have to be interested in, you have to be a sponge. You want to have to soak up all forms of art and culture that exist around. Um, So you really have to be able to take lots of richness that exists in the, the outside world and distill, distill, distill and argue your case by pulling in bits of reference. And I think that's what you learn in a Bachelor of Arts degree is like, how do you interrogate culture? How do you interrogate a piece of art and use a kind of like argument, a rational argument to, you know, pull or push an idea and sell it. And I think, you know, in terms of like entry level, there are strategy internships, which I think I really would encourage. I think they're a great way, a great way to learn, um, you know, as with any internship role. A, a lot of people come into strategy via client management roles in agency. So you kind of sit there in that role for a couple of years yeah. and then you'll kind of come into strategy. And I, I actually really wish I'd done that. <laughs> I went straight into brand strategy or creative design strategy. I did a month, I think I did a, a month as an intern in client management. And I think they were like, no, you can't stay. But they were like, I think you'd be great at strategy. But I think if you work in this, you know, a client management role or a project management role, you have a way better understanding of the way that the organization works. You see all the teams interrelating and interacting and you understand you know, budgeting and scoping out projects and proposal writing. And I think that will leave you in really good stead later on. So I would encourage anyone who works in a an agency role to actually start in that client management um, position and then move into strategy through there. But, you know, I think it, keeping an open mind and 
being someone who is interested in, as I said, like culture and psychology are, are, are real fundamentals for a, a good brand strategist and then being great at arguing. I think writing is a really important aspect of brand strategy, like persuasively writing to argue a point that you think is important. Being able to frame your idea with cultural references is really important. And then understanding, being, being an empathetic person, I think is a very important part of good strategy. Do you get people? Are you fascinated by what makes people tick and what makes people do things? Because that is such a huge part of, of what we do. The consumer will change with every project you're on. Yeah. If you have a fascination with how they operate and what really motivates them, not just like what you think motivates them, you know, what really is the type of thing that gets them up in the morning and makes them interested in a brand or a product they might want to buy. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, just about how no one ever tells you about all the different roles there are. I feel like I've heard brand strategists so often, but I've never had anyone explain to me like this. And I feel like the puzzle pieces are kind of clicking together because I've never thought about it more from like a psychology perspective or even like from like a creative writing perspective having to argue. But it makes so much sense because mm. you really need to, you're paving a way, a new way that people haven't had to think about before. And you have to really prove and show them why they should care about this. Yes. Exactly. And I to tie back to your point about like, how does this play out in my new organization is like, we still have in, in at agency world, you have clients you're trying to prove something to. Yeah. But we still do as well, because the more senior members of the organization are our clients, in essence. So I'm still trying to say, well, you should do this. And here's why. And you really need to find always with the different people you're working with. You're not just using psychology to understand your consumer. You're using psychology to understand what kind of thing is going to make this land with your client. Um, so you're arguing tactic or your persuasion tools change every time you, you, you are trying to, you know, seed a new idea. And that is exciting. Again, if you're motivated, inspired by, consumer psychology but you know if you usually what you come down to at the end of every brief is people call it the four c's i'm sure there's a thousand different ways of you know the terminology surrounding but it's like culture consumer category corporation or company so you usually situate a brand's idea or a creative campaign's idea by a, a really nuanced specific insight around the consumer a really interesting thing you can do differently or an insight around what the competition are doing a really inspirational insight or idea around what's happening in culture surrounding your product so you know it's not just in culture in general it's like okay so if i'm working on a feminine hygiene brand what's happening in the what's the cultural conversation surrounding that that we understand as a brand is different if it's uh you know hot dog company <laughs> what is the cultural conversation surrounding it that we can as a brand provide an interesting um kind of insight around so the final one is a company truth or a corporation truth so what do we know to be true as an organization that we would always put into this brand so those four c's you're trying to find this like nuanced way of expressing something different and the strategy is the intersection you know, if you think about those all being circles in a Venn diagram, it's like, what is that unique thing that all four of those factors ladder up to? 
That is so interesting. And so now at Live Nation, you're kind of doing the same thing, but on a different scale because it's not client facing, it's internal facing. Yeah, but we are still coming to them with brands and concepts that you know we believe they should bring to life and it's the same idea so you know if I'm going in and I want to create a new venue in Kentucky you know I'm doing that same 4C thing so what is something culturally relevant that's happening in culture across the music industry but maybe specific to this market what do I know to be true about the fans in this market more so than in any other market that exists in the US what are the other venues or options that we're trying to compete with in that market? What are they doing and what can we do differently? Or maybe we want to fit in. What do we know we have to do in the competition there uh, to sort of solidify our place in the market? And then what are we as Live Nation and an organization, what do we want to put into everything that we do? Um, so those, again, those four C's flex, but it's been a really useful kind of device for me to make sure that we're bringing like rigor and strategy and order to a wide range of different projects and institutions. I love it. It's so interesting. I, I feel like I've learned a lot about strategy through this conversation. And as always, our final question of the episode is what's one piece of advice that you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given throughout that's really stuck with you? It's always worth trying. Again, I know that this is like, you focus a lot on female leaders. And I think this like aura or air of perfection that we have to achieve, I think is can be really toxic. And it's something that I'm always working hard to like break down. I don't think you always need to be right, but I think you always need to try. Mm. And you will only get someone new and exciting and different and somewhere that feels great if you aren't afraid of getting it wrong if you always do things that you think you're going to be really good at you're just going to get stuck in that groundhog day that we were talking about sometimes it can be day to day it can be week to week it can be every decade you've got to do something that makes you really scared and accept that you might not be good at it or get it wrong but you've just got to try and I wish I had learned that earlier (laughs) I wish I hadn't just done things, you know, throughout my life that are just things that I think I'm going to be good at and not been so afraid of failure. So I think that is a really important lesson that I've learned. And then you can choose one of these two. The other thing. (laughs) We're going to keep both of them in. (laughs) The other thing is like, I don't think, you know, you, you, you exist in these like corporate worlds. I don't think you need to stand on people to get, places I don't think you need to aggressively climb you know I think I have always got where I have been and been lucky in my career because I believe in team spirit and camaraderie and I believe in doing things together and I don't believe that you have to be mean or you know step on people to get somewhere and I don't like that culture of toxicity and I think leaning into that kind of female energy of like doing And being part of something together and growing together is like a really rich space to be in in your career. You don't have to be this like solo, uh, you know, (laughs) go-getter who is going to aggressively 
tread on people around you you know we can we can do things together and we can grow together and we can build things together and I and I I I really feel like leaning into that rather than shying away from that is is a really important thing that I would want people to understand coming out of business school as this episode is coming out I feel like that is so valid because even in business school and I go to school in Canada. I know the culture is different everywhere, but there is that similar mentality. And I think especially for people going into specific industries, that is very valid. And I also don't like that culture. And I mean, I'm very interested in entrepreneurship. And so from my perspective, like I know that if I want to be an entrepreneur, I'm not going to get there by myself. I can't build a company on my own. I'm going to need people around me in order to actually do that. Or even with business casual, our whole brand has been built not just me my sister it's been built because other people have given us their time and other people are willing to like share and it it's I mean not to bring Taylor Swift into this again but like I do think karma is real also and I think that especially in business when we talk about relationships being so important that is the end all be all of your career is your relationships and I think that people really 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 underestimate that and even going again back to like university and people don't understand that the same people you're in school with the people that might be your colleagues one day might be your managers one day might be the people hiring for position one day so I think it's something my parents have always 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 really tried to install and like all of my siblings is that like relationships is so important no matter who you are where you're going always be nice to people always like first impressions matter everything you know it's it just feels good to leave relationships on a good note, like leave companies on a good note. It's always going to feel better than leaving on a bad note, but it is still something that I feel like people think they need in order to get far in their career. Um, so I'm glad you bring that up because I don't think we've ever really talked about it, but I, it is such a important yeah. thing. I work hard and be nice to people. I've seen that poster in many places, including at my home. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I love that mantra because I think at the end of the day what are you left with you know you're left with the relationships you build and the feeling of what it's like to to be with people and and to grow with people I love that mantra I think it's the perfect way to end off our episode Molly thank you so much for coming on the business casual and sharing your insanely cool career and journey with us we really appreciate it and I hope everyone enjoyed this episode <laughs>